0: Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.
2: This is the story of a girl. What? No, no, it's not. This is episode 116 with Travis Macy. Happy New Year, fam. Happy New Year. Nomads, Happy New Year, UIDers. Happy New Year to every single person out there. What a year it's been, can't believe we're already at the end of 2015, I'm I'm recording this uh, intro right now, and it is December 30th, Uh, and when you listen to this, it's going to be 31st, and many of you will listen to this in a new year, so I just want to remind you all, don't be afraid to give up the good for the great, make 2016 your best year yet, and as always, I'm accessible, reach out to me on Twitter, at TyRoxon, or send me an email, with your thoughts at uh, tyaroxan at uydmag.com that being said have some fun spend time with your family let your loved ones know that you love them and enjoy the episode with travis macy on how to really be uh the best version of yourself see you
1: next year welcome to the as told by nomads podcast where you'll learn how nomads, third-culture kids, entrepreneurs, and leaders all over the world embrace their global identity and use their difference to make a difference. And now, having lived on four different continents, here's your host, Tyo Roxas. <laughs>
2: Welcome everybody, today I have with me Travis Macy, and he's a speaker, author, coach, and professional endurance athlete. He's the author of the Ultra Mindset and Endurance Champion's 8 Core Principles for Success in Business, Sports, and Life. And he holds the record for Lead Man, in epic endurance event consisting of a trail running marathon, 50 mile mountain bike race, Leadville 100 mountain bike race, 10K road run, Leadville 100 run, wow, all above 10,200 in the Rocky Mountains. Travis currently lives with his wife and two young children in the mountains around Evergreen Collateral, and uh, the Macy's owner and manage a successful education consulting company. Welcome to the show, Travis.
1: Oh, thanks a lot. It's a pleasure to be here with you today, and
2: uh, great to be with the audience as well. Well, Thank you. Thank you. That's quite the uh, accomplishment that you've uh, built for yourself there. So you you speak, you write, you coach, and then you also do uh, a lot of endurance uh, sports, correct
1: yeah yeah you know probably like a lot of uh audience members out there i'm i'm an entrepreneur and you know i my wife and i kind of like having multiple income streams and uh you know we also um i i think probably like many of your listeners we we like to create uh work that allows us to live the life that we want to have you know so instead of kind of putting work first and then fitting in life around the edges we like to en- envision the life that we want to have and then figure out how can we work to uh, support that. So you know, travel's been a, a big thing for us, and I, I've been really lucky as uh, a, as a professional endurance athlete to travel all around the world with with racing, and that's led to a lot of uh, a lot of family experiences um, on those trips as well. Our, our kids are uh, four years old and two years old, and um, you know they're they're a big part of uh, of why we do what we do as well.
2: Love it, love it. So th- walk me through the background, because um, I imagine endurance was probably the first thing you started doing right and then how did you sort of you know get into everything you do because you do a lot of things but what was the the journey like
1: yeah well that's a great question you know it it started off um uh, I'll, i'll start with the endurance sports side of things you know Really, it started off, for, for me, I was five years old, and I, I was uh, living here in, in Colorado in the mountains. Uh, my dad, um, he'd done some endurance racing. He'd, he'd done a number of marathons. Uh, he'd done the Ironman Triathlon, you know, which is a, a long and challenging and, and well-known race. Um, but he, he hadn't done any ultra-running yet. And when I say an ultra-run, I mean a, a running race that's, that's longer than a marathon, and uh so if I was five years old and my dad signed up for uh the Leadville one hundred Ultra Run. This is uh you know, a high altitude mountain running race on trails outside of Leadville, Colorado, uh way up in the mountains. And uh, you know, like I said, my dad had done some stuff, but he but he wasn't he, he hadn't done any anything like this. You know, he probably didn't have the really the appropriate uh, preparation for it. But he had mental toughness, and uh, you know that kind of ended up being what got him through. I, I still remember, you know, five years old. Like I said, I was I was out there at Leadville. You know, this is a a running race that uh, you have 30 hours to do it. So there's a, a 30, 30 hour- hours yeah yeah you know you have to it starts at 4 a.m on saturday and then you got till 10 a.m on sunday to uh to finish this thing and you know the typically the winners will do it and you know 16 17 18 hours um but like i said my dad his his goal was to finish and uh you know i still remember five years old standing there at the at the finish line there in leadville and if you imagine kind of like an old west cowboy town you know out in the middle of nowhere in the mountains that's that's what Leadville is like it's it's still just this uh you know kind of little untouched place and uh you know I remember coming my dad coming up to the the finish line there and you know he he was very far back in the field and you know was barely going to make it under the 30-hour cutoff but that didn't matter to me. You know, what I what I saw was someone who was making the most of life, someone who who had a gleam in his eye, you know, even though his body was wrecked from running this hundred mile distance he was he was still going. And he made it to the finish line and I, I just kinda you know, I remember that feeling as as a young child of seeing, you know, this is someone who's who's pushing his limits and making the most of life and, and learning something, you know, not only about running but about his outlook and his marriage and his parenting and his work. Huh. And uh, you know, I just thought that's uh, that's kind of what I wanted to do, and that that was the that was the start for me, you know, at a, at a young age. And then growing up, I you know, my dad never he never pushed me into you know into endurance racing or anything. You know, I played soccer and basketball and baseball and the usual. Usual sports, but kind of as I got later into high school, I found distance running, and I liked it, and found out I was decent at it, and so I uh, I went to the University of Colorado at Boulder, and I, I ran on the cross-country and track team there uh, for a couple of years, and then after that, I kind of switched to um, adventure racing, which are these long five, six, seven-day uh races where you're running mountain biking kayaking you know climbing uh kind of all those things mixed into one uh some some listeners may remember the discovery channel eco challenge um you know it was those kind of races uh really that that i did for the next uh 10 years you know kind of traveling all around the world and uh you know it was a a, it's been a pretty neat experience and i'm still i'm still going with it you know i have two young kids of my own and, and i find right now that um doing these ultra distance running races is, is a good fit for our family. You know, it's a little bit easier to bring your kids to a, even a 24 hour running race goes, goes a lot faster than some, you know, six day adventure race out in the middle of nowhere in China. Um, so, uh, anyway, it's been a, it's been a neat way to see the world. And I've learned a lot from these races that I can apply, uh, you know, to, to my, uh, my work as as an entrepreneur as well.
0: Now,
2: and, and that leads me to this thing because you, you sent me a book and I really appreciate you for sending me that. It's really interesting. And yeah, and it's called The Ultra Mindset and Endurance Champions Eight Core Principles for Success in Business, Sports and Life. Now, is, was it through your, you know, travels and um, journey as, a, as an athlete that you, you sort of developed these principles?
1: Yeah, I would say so. You know, these are things that I, you know, either developed or learned from, or you know, maybe I learned it from someone else uh-huh. out there in, in the race. Or you know, I tell a, I tell a story in uh, you know the the adventure racing world championship that we did in Sweden a number of years ago, where we had a great team and really we were we were podium potential, but uh, we ended up making some mistakes, and kind of from those mistakes. I learned one of the, the key principles that I that I share in the book. You know, kind of where we went wrong in our thinking. So, you know, these are basically principles from the world of extreme endurance racing, but really the takeaway is how can we apply them to what's important in life? And by that, I mean uh, I mean our relationships, I mean our, our parenting, I mean our work, you know, our, our general well being, um, all that sort of stuff.
2: Gotcha, gotcha. So let's start with the first mindset. The mindset is it's all about good mental training. Can you can you maybe just I don't want you to give the book away because I want people to go read it, but can you walk us through, give us the mindset at a glance? And um, yeah,
1: yeah. So, so, so the idea behind it's all good mental training. Um, this is something that comes uh, from my dad. Actually, you know, I told that story about him at the Leadville 100. Right, right. You know, a- after that race, and really all throughout my childhood, my dad. Whenever I was going through something challenging, you know, this could be maybe he and I are out, out on a bike ride, you know, out in the in the hills trying to climb up a, a steep hill. Or, or maybe, you know, it's a challenging school assignment or relationship or something like that. My dad would always say, well, you know, Trav, this is all good mental training. And what he meant by that is, it's a great story to tell yourself when when you're going through a challenge so um, viewing your challenges as positive and essential elements of building a winning mindset really makes all the difference in the world and when when things are going tough we have two choices on the one hand we can we can sort of pout about it and put ourselves in a victim mindset of you know how hard it is and how how much we wish we were doing something else or we can shift the story and say well this is good mental training and what we're doing by by taking on that challenge, or maybe even a bit of suffering, is building a well of resolve and and uh, and resilience that we can apply to any other challenge that we face later on.
2: Gotcha, gotcha. And then and then uh, being a, a wannabe. What do you mean by that?
1: Yeah. So be a wannabe. This is uh, kind of the idea that it's important to get close to the people that you want to be like, or make the most of what psychologists would call Goal contagion. So, when you're around someone who is uh, achieving or striving for the kinds of goals that, that you yourself want to achieve, um, being around them, watching how they find success learning from those things. Uh, really there's a lot of value to it. And I think, you know, some sometimes people, you know, especially us entrepreneurs, you know, we, we kinda get the idea, well, I'm gonna go it alone and I'm gonna figure out things, you know, my own way. And I think there's a real value to that, but I also think there's a real value to trying to learn from people who have, uh, you know, who've blazed a path. This is something I learned as an athlete, you know, watching, both watching other athletes on on TV, whether it's, you know, guys like Greg LeMond in the Tour de France or, you know, Mark Allen in the, in the Ironman. These are guys that I watched when I was a little kid, in addition to, you know, mainstream athletes like Michael Jordan and, and all those guys. Um, it's something I've, I learned from that world and really realized, well, I can apply a lot of this to, to my business work as well.
2: Gotcha, gotcha. And and you're basically saying, you know, is it the idea of surrounding yourself or emulating good aspects from other people, that idea of having mentors from afar um, and taking qualities that they have, that they share, like, you know, um, Michael Jordan's will to to win, regardless of what, uh, Kobe Bryant's hours of preparation behind, behind the scenes to be as great as he is, or, you know, are you talking about those type of things?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's perfect. And it could, you know, the cool thing about this principle is, is it can be someone who you're watching from afar. You know, the 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 superstars and all, all those guys. You know, they become superstars as you said through hard work and time. You know, there's probably some degree of talent, but what really sets them apart is the work that they put in. So we can look at people like that, but we can also look at, you know, maybe it's people around us. Maybe it's even a let's say, uh, a competitor in the business world who's achieving some degree of success. Well, let's try to learn, what is that person doing that's making them so successful? And, you know, it's not the idea that you need to be exactly like a given person. It's just simply that, okay, well, we can emulate some of the things that this person is doing uh, that's bringing them success.
2: Gotcha. No, no, I completely agree. And this this is fascinating to me because the next thing you you say is find your carrot. Now, I imagine... To many people, carrot is something that Bugs Bunny eats, <laughs> and yeah. it, as his orange uh, means of sustenance. And uh, obviously, um, you know. But when you say find a carrot, you mean something different.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's that's a great question. And, and well, this principle really, it's it's about intrinsic and extrinsic motivators. And an intrinsic motivator is you know basically that we enjoy doing something. So you know, at the heart of the matter, I choose. Uh, I, I choose endurance racing because I go. I love going outside in the mountains and in the woods and, and running every day. That's inherently jo- enjoyable to me, and I, I choose uh, entrepreneurial business work because I, I enjoy doing it. I like connecting with people. I, I like helping other people. Uh, you know, there's many things that I enjoy about it. But uh, I think even if you've chosen something that you enjoy, there's probably going to be times where you're not going to enjoy doing it. You know, it, when I'm when I'm running, you know, let's say a 24 hour running race, if if I've run for 15 hours and I still have another eight to ten hours to go, I, I'm probably not really enjoying it, you know, at least in that moment. I may be gaining something from it, but, you know, the things certain I'm suffering out there. And that those kind of things, whether it's in the in the running race or in the in the race of you know your work or your relationships or your parenting, um, those are the kind of times when we can use utilize extrinsic motivators. And an extrinsic motivator is is something external. So this could be money, it could be glory, it could be admiration, it could be, you know, finishing finishing that marathon because you know when you finish you can post it on Facebook and, and your friends are gonna see it and give you some compliments. Um, if if you ask me, if you're doing something big and challenging in life, you're going to need not only the intrinsic motivators, so the you know doing it for enjoyment, but you're also going to need those those extrinsic motivators as well, or or the so called uh, carrot.
2: Yeah, and the, yeah, so that's the carrot, the extrinsic. Uh, the reason you said this because I'm also an athlete. I know I, I ran track in high school. I remember we I ran went for a sports tur- tournament that was doing the long distance fifteen hundred I did short distance long distance and i i i did the the wired to wire thing my strategy initially you know with with fifteen hundred you have to start with endurance and pace yourself yeah, um, yeah but i had uh i got very excited and I started really just almost sprinting initially for fifteen hundred yeah. race and yeah. for yeah. some reason I was like I am not going to fall behind the pack even though I know what everybody was doing and then yeah. I, I and I, the motivation was seeing the crowd and seeing the chair and getting the gold you know the the gold medal all there but I knew I was exhausted and I was pushing myself beyond what I was doing because I had I trained weeks to just pace myself and be like second third and then I, I bolted so when I finally got to the last hundred um 100 meters I almost I was about to collapse and I just kept thinking, I, I, I can't, you know, I, I don't want to fall down. I can't have my friends laugh at me. And I already, yeah. or already um, imagined myself winning the gold medal. And for some way, more weird reason, that motivated me to push myself through. And then as soon as I crossed the finish line, I just stumbled on the floor and yeah. stayed there because I had pushed myself beyond exhaustion. But I, I, I knew when it was 100 meters to go that I was past my physical uh, area. So I had to seek something extrinsic, like you were saying but it's weird when that happens.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and that's perfect. And, and I think you, you know, you touched on the heart of the matter when you're doing something challenging, when you're doing something, you know, uncomfortable, maybe something that you've never done before, you're going to need all the motivation that you can gain, you know? You probably had some intrinsic motivation that you enjoyed running. Mm-hmm. But at, at the very end, there, like you said, the last hundred meters. You know, you got to grab anything you can hang on to, and right. if, you, if the gold medal and the people cheering for you, if that was going to get you there, then that's perfect. Okay, okay. Now, now, the,
2: the we 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 done with three here, but that the fourth mindset you have, it's it sort of leads into um, ties into what you were saying earlier. But this is having an ego and use it. A lot of people have this mindset uh, that being egotistical is a bad thing. Um, can you dispel that? Because you're saying that you should have an ego and you should use it until it's time to put your ego aside. That's, that's your fourth mindset. What do you mean by that?
1: Well, so, so what I mean by this is, you know, when I say have an ego, I, I, you know, I don't mean an ego as far as like treating other people badly. Mm-hmm. Um, what I mean is having an ego as far as a, a very high view of yourself and what you can accomplish. Um, I think that accomplishing big goals requires perseverance, and, and that in turn requires a high view of yourself. Um, if we're going to take on great challenges in life, whether it's business or athletics or another area, uh, sometimes we may actually, we, we may be taking on a challenge that, according to our resume, we don't actually have any business challenging, uh, you know, taking on. Like, we, we may not have the, the experience on paper to be undertaking what it is that we're trying to do. But if you ask me, I, I think that's okay. I think sometimes we need to push beyond, you know, what we should be capable of doing according to experience or degree or talent or, you know, whatever the case might be. And I think in these cases, when you really are taking on something big, what you really need is, is in, an unfaltering belief in yourself mm-hmm. and Belief that, that you that you can and will do it no matter what. you know I, when I sat down to write this book, I had a lot of ideas and I knew that I had it in me. I had some writing experience uh, but I, I had never written a book before and I, I didn't have a publisher. I didn't have an agent. you know I didn't know exactly how the process worked. But what I did have was a commitment to myself and a belief that I could and would, uh, make it through and, and, and many times along the way that was the only thing that kept me going so that's kind of the whole having an ego and then on the other side of it uh, I say until it's time to put your ego aside and just as important as having a very high view of yourself that you can accomplish whatever you set your mind to uh, it's also very important to, to be able to set that ego aside especially when it comes to asking for help and sometimes we find help in in the strangest of of places you know maybe in the business world it's uh you know coming to someone who's a so-called subordinate of yours and and asking them for help in you know accomplishing something or or carrying out a, a certain procedure uh for me what i talk about in the book is uh you know i realized at one point that i i needed a coach i needed someone to be coaching me in my endurance racing so that i could get to the next level and as i started to think about well who's best suited for that it turned out to be one like one of my arch rivals you know a guy that i was competing against a lot but i realized he was having a great degree of success and and was doing well with coaching athletes so that's who i came to and asked for help and you know was kind of an ironic place to turn but ended up being a a great place so um, that's kind of the idea is, is you have this high view of yourself but you, you know, readily extinguish that ego ego and ask for help when you need it.
2: I love that because I always say the difference between ego and self. Um... Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince.
0: And overconfidence is, you
2: know, ego is, like you said, belief in yourself. And if you don't believe in yourself, not a lot of people will. But the um, overconfidence is, is, you know, you don't want to get to that point where you're, you're confident at a point where you're looking down on others. Because there's a fine line with that. And, and like you said, there's nothing wrong with having an ego. But you have to also uh, be aware of what you're doing in relation to other people, whether you're not putting down on people. And then I think the thing that I, I enjoyed the most was humbling yourself enough to ask for help. Mm -hmm. Because that's the only way you can actually improve in some, you know, to get over some challenges, or that you you might reach your plateau or peak, you know, whether it's training or whatever you're doing. But um, it helps even when you're traveling. You said you traveled a lot. Uh, I find that a lot of times when I when I find myself in different countries, I I have to ask for help. I'm one of the most directionally challenged people I know.
1: (laughs) So yeah, yeah, (laughs) Yeah, you know, and and one of the I think one of my favorite things about asking for help is. Usually people are happy to help, you know, it's yep, it's yep. a fulfilling thing to be able to help someone and and most people, you know, even if they don't show it at the outset, most people are happy to help and I, you know, back to the travel, I remember I was I was in Korea, you know, South Korea, and, and there's nothing in English, and, you know, we're in this huge city of, of Seoul and trying to figure out our, our way around, and, you know, nothing's familiar, and, uh, yeah, we're, you know, I was asking for help around every every corner, and uh, people were usually happy, you know, even I didn't speak Korean, they didn't speak English, but somehow we figured it out, and, you know, we made it there.
2: Gotcha. No, I completely agree. I love it. And that, Now, when you... When do you finally let your ego aside? How do you adjust your thinking?
1: You know, I think um, I, I I think it's just you know it's it's continuing to have the the confidence to to realize that it's okay to ask for help. You know, mm-hmm. I think that that part of sometimes where you know culture culture uh, convinces us to take on a, a certain you know persona, whereas it's it's not okay to to. Um, ask ourselves for help and, and sort of um, realizing that when you ask for help, that's that's not a degrading thing to do to yourself. It's, it's actually a sign of, of having the confidence uh, to know that, that you're seeking out growth. Um, so I think that's a, a big piece of it is just really um, seeking growth and, and always seeking forward progress and keeping in mind that that's more important than you know, proving, I guess, proving that you're smart or capable. It's more important to, to continue to actually move forward and get smarter and get more capable.
2: Gotcha. Now, Mindset 5, what, what is that about?
1: Um, well, so Mindset 5 in the book reads, uh, think about your thinking, what and why. And this sort of, you know, if we go back to your, your 1500 meter run experience, what, um, Oftentimes in a running race, and this could be, again, you know, the real running race or, or as I said, the running race of life, oftentimes, uh, you know, at the beginning of it, we are, we're highly motivated by why we are doing it. You know, we're, we're doing it because we're all hyped up and there's music playing at the starting line and, you know, we've trained hard and prepared and we have a lot of enthusiasm. And th- that's natural to think about something like that. At the, at the start of a race or at the start of an undertaking. But my advice is is to usually start off, whether it's starting the race or maybe let's say in, in the work situation you're starting off with something that's very detail-oriented, you know, let's say editing a document or creating a business plan or, you know, in my case climbing a, a steep mountain. When you're doing something like that that's detail-oriented, my advice is to really focus your thinking on what you're doing so in other words pay attention to what you're doing and, and for you you know and that that back to that track running race you know pay attention to how, how fast are you going are you going too fast or, or are you going the right pace and I, I do that all the time you know in, in my you know my 50 mile running race I had to really pay attention to, uh, to make sure I'm going the right speed at the start and I'm not going to be too burned down. So that's the what, you know, again, when you're doing something that's detail oriented, you want to think about what you're doing. But when things get drawn out and and grueling and challenging, that's when you want to shift from the, the focus on the painful what to the why. So in other words, shifting to why you're doing it. So You know, you're still at the office on a Friday afternoon at at 5 o'clock and you have a few more things that you have to do. That's a good time to focus on why you're doing it. You know, you're doing it because, uh, you know, you want to get that promotion or because you want to be proud of the work you did or because you want to make more money or because you want to, you know, finish up the work so that you can go home and have a weekend with your kids where you're not thinking about work. Those would all be good things to shift your why Thinking so you know it's kind of around when do we think about what we're doing and when's the best time to think about why we're doing it.
2: No, that's good. That's good. Um, you know, painful. What what we focus on, why we're doing it, and then uh, the mindset six is the four thirty a.m. rule. When you have no choice, anything is possible.
1: Yeah, yeah. So this is you know. Um, it, again you know a kind of a, a training metaphor here you know many people who, who train for endurance sports or, or maybe you know it could be any interest or profession you have sometimes we have to get up early to get things done and my view of it is the night before when you set your alarm you know whether it's 4 30 a.m or 5 a.m or 6 or you know, if 7 a.m. is early for you, whatever you're setting that time for, when you set the alarm, that's when you're making the commitment to getting up and accomplishing the work. You're not going to wait until the alarm goes off to see how you feel like, uh, see what you feel like, and, and then decide if you want to do it or not. And, you know, that's, that's a literal interpretation, but we can also take this metaphorically that oftentimes in, in our lives, uh, there are things that we don't feel like doing in the moment but if we've committed ahead of time to accomplishing that task, whether or not we feel like it, it's going to be a lot easier to do. You know, it's so much easier to make it through a challenge if you know that quitting is not an option because in that case, you just you just keep going forward. And I think that can be applied to, you know, starting your own business, for example. You make the commitment to it, there's probably going to be moments – where you're not having a whole lot of fun, or things aren't going well, but if you've committed to it, you simply keep going and usually you'll make it out and things will turn out okay.
2: It also helps with the discipline too, right? When once you just you know that you have to wake up at this time and then just whether you want to do it or not, you just transition yourself and you position your mindset into thinking, "All right, I'm up. Let's go." And then that's what happens. Once you do it, it becomes a habit.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're right. And I think one of the cool things about that is, you know, the discipline that you learn from the particular habit, and it, it doesn't have to be 4.30 a.m. Maybe your thirty a.m. time is, you know, 10 at night. That's when, you, that's when you go to the gym because, you, you know, that's the only time you have and you don't feel like going, but you still go. You know, every time you do that, you, you become more conditioned to uh, persevere when you face facing another challenge in another area of life.
2: No, no, it's good, good. You, uh, you were breaking up there a little bit, so I, I, I don't know if it's uh, I don't know what happened. Can you say something so I can see if it works better? Yeah, yeah. How how are we going now? Does that sound okay? Yes, this sounds uh sounds better. So okay, good, good. great. All right, all right, all right. Um, all right. And you know, to wrap up the two mindsets before we get into some of the other personal things about your life is seven and eight. What seven starts with your bad stories, good stories. The ones you tell yourself make all the difference. What does that mean?
1: Yeah, you know, the idea here is, uh, in a nutshell, we we all have voices inside of our head. And I think that it's important to listen to those voices, this self-talk that's going on. And if those voices aren't helping you, if they aren't doing a good job in propelling you forward in life, then you should should probably fire those voices and, and hire other ones. In other words, rewrite the stories that you're uh, that you're telling yourself. And I, I talk about it in the book, you know, kind of some steps that you can go through to work through those. And uh, with, with my coaching clients, we're often analyzing the, the stories that they have going on in, in their head, whether those are around athletics or work or relationships or other things. Um, but I think there's a real value to uh, considering the stories that you're telling yourself and, and realizing also, oftentimes we are our harshest critics, you know, if you imagine some of the things that you say to yourself, you know, what if you said those to, to someone working with you or to your spouse or, you know, to your children? Sometimes they're pretty harsh things that we can say to ourselves and um, eliminating those and replacing them with better stories really can make a difference.
2: Yeah, no, yeah, love it. Just telling you, you can, the way you, you know, you think, I think therefore I am. I can't remember who said that. It was, uh, I think it was one of the the, the great philosophers of uh, philosophers of the time, but it's, the stories you tell yourself, sometimes you can it can really make the difference, like you're saying, and if you end up being a negative type of person, it's you're going to end up having that negative mindset, and then you start to believe some of the stuff you say, even if it's Absolutely. not thrown out.
1: Yep, Yeah.
2: And the last one is never quit, except when you should quit.
1: Yeah, huh. so the idea about this is that if, if you're doing something you really care about, and this is something that you know aligns with your true self, your highest purposes in life, that you really shouldn't quit that just because you fear what will happen if you if you continue um you know oftentimes when when you're going big whether it's it's through uh travel or sports or or business or other things um that's just part of the deer deal fear is going to be there and my advice is is to keep on going anyway on the other hand if you're doing something with your life that doesn't align with who you want to be and how you want to live, then maybe you should quit. And, and I think a lot of times in life, and I've faced some moments like this myself, uh, I, I think fee- people face moments where you know they, they have a, a course that looks like the logical or secure or natural thing to do, but, but maybe they don't really believe in it. Maybe that's not who they want to be. And I think in those cases, true courage is overcoming fear to spend your life in what you believe to be a, a purposeful manner, and in uh, the way that, that you want to exist in the world.
2: Yeah, love it, love it, and, and thank you for going through those eight principles. And the reason I wanted to do that was just to give the the audience a glimpse of what what I was able to read and what you what you talk about. Because it's, I think it's truly a phenomenal book, and it's 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 why it's been successful uh, on on the um, on the charts here. But in in the thing that I I really picked up on was. So you 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 live your life the way you talk the way you write the book because you're you're a professional athlete you're now a successful author and then you've got all these you know you've got all these priorities and you also have uh, family and then you have I think six weeks of vacations every summer in Europe.
1: Uh yeah well we went to last summer we went to Europe for for six weeks and uh, you know tr- travel is huge for us and you know thankfully as as uh, self employed entrepreneurs we're we're able to travel quite a bit more than, than six weeks every year. So, yeah. you know, whether, yeah. whether it's Europe or, you know, earlier this year we went to uh, Costa Rica and, and had about a month there, and that was uh, that was really cool. And, and I think, um, you know, some of it goes back to, to stories. Sometimes people have kids and they tell themselves, well, now we have kids so we can't travel or, yeah. you know, now we have kids so we can't do that or, you know, now I now I own a house so I, you know, all I can do is, is work or wherever these stories are. These are all just possible stories, and if you want to live a different story, usually you can.
2: So you, you essentially, how do you find time for all that? You prioritize.
1: Um. Yeah. I mean, prioritizing is a big thing. Also, I would say, um, cutting. I, I've cut out a lot of things from my life that that I think. Some people spend a lot of time with you know one one obvious thing is is TV you know you see all these things the average uh, American watches you know four hours of TV per day or something like that I mean in four hours you can four hours a day you can be a professional athlete you know I'll tell you that like I spend well less than four hours each day uh, running and you know I'm able to compete at a, at a pretty high level so. Um, it's, it's intentionally cutting out things like that. It's, you know, I, I, don't spend a whole lot of time with, uh, like social media, for example, you know, I, I use it some as a, as a professional tool, but I, you know, personally, as far as friendships go, I'd rather just talk to one of my friends or, or be with him than, than try to spend a lot of time, um, doing that or or let's say uh commuting um we we've been able to cut uh commuting in a a car out of our out of our schedule for the most part and that that frees up a lot of time um we we've also uh cut out um you know trying to i guess maybe this isn't cutting things out but more of making a, a shift to um trying to live simply so live live in a way where there aren't as many costs as far as uh, housing or owning things. And if, if you don't need to spend as much money on things, then you don't need to earn as much money and you, you don't need to spend, you know, as much time uh, working. And, and so that, you know, that's been a way to open up time for, for travel and, you know, making sure I can go out and, and run every day or go on a hike with my kids outside. Cause those are, those are important things to me.
2: All right. So prioritizing, cut in and um, you know, Really, uh, just avoid buying too much and spending money on things you don't need to be spending.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'd okay. say those those are all key pieces for sure.
2: Okay, now do you have a interesting definition of sports? What is sports to you?
1: What what is sports?
2: Yeah, it's it's in a in your in your world, you, it's what it's adventure racing. Yeah, team, yeah, and you know, um, you know, when we when was we were converting over email, I remember you saying that when you explain sports, you, you, you define it as a, uh, I think it was a 24 hours in a fixed course, hundred miles at altitude and not just, you know, a rip roaring downhill that you see on trails. So it's like a very intense experience for you. So yeah, I'm you, curious if you could explain that.
1: Yeah. Well, those are, those, those happen to be the sports I, I participate in. You know, I'm, I'm into, I, you know, I'm a sports person. I like mainstream sports and my four year old son, you know, he started playing soccer this year. And so, you know, I like those kind of things, but the the sports I compete in, yeah. um, they're they're typically uh, long distance races in the mountains. So these could be running races where you know you're running a hundred miles over the course of twenty hours or so. Is, uh, I, I, can't,
2: I still can't believe that. I, I, I guess what, what 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 I'm curious about is how those things are sometimes more than a day. How do you how do you sleep how do you I mean do you just run uh, continuously for 24 hours to 30 hours is that a rest yeah. period or is that an understanding among you and the other competitors that okay we're taking a break now
1: yeah no those that those are great questions and and most of most of the races are nonstop races so typically wow. in the course of a 100 mile running race you you wouldn't sleep you you know you would literally run all night long you know some of it might be walking like i said these races are in the mountains you know so you're you're out in the middle of nowhere in the woods you know going up a hill and if it's a really steep hill you might be walking some but but you're still moving and then you get to the top and you'd you know go down the other side and then you'd be running because it's a little easier to go downhill um but yeah, you're you're going nonstop. So you're you know you're eating, you're drinking along the way. You know you're you're stopping to use the bathroom. Uh, but other than that, you're you know you're still moving over that whole period of time. Um, some of the you know the longer races, some of these adventure races I've done. These are these are week long races uh, where where they're they're nonstop racing, and over the course of a week, you, you know you really should sleep some. So typically in those races, you know you're maybe sleeping let's say two to four hours a night, but you're still doing it, uh, you know, kind of out in the middle of nowhere. you know, you you, typically you're, you're pretty tired and sleep deprived. So you, you lie down and you fall asleep pretty quickly. You know, even if you're lying in a pile of rocks or (laughs) if your head's in the mud or something.
2: (laughs) Uh, no, that's, that's so impressive. I can't even, I don't even know. I mean, I I know we just talked about mindset and the negative stories, So I'm trying not to say that. So yeah. I can do it, but wow, yep. that's <laughs> that is that is that is so impressive. But um and this something that we do on the podcast, I hear a lot just talk about how we're using our differences to make a difference. And you have given eight reasons, eight examples of how you do that. But I'm curious if you could condense it into a sentence or so. How do you use your difference to make a difference?
1: Uh, you know, I mean I, I I'm I'm really motivated to to help people and I've tried to choose Work that allows me to do that. You know, I worked for a number of years as a as a high school teacher, and I picked up a lot of uh, you know things out there with with helping people. And like I said, you know, helping people it's you know it's it's altruistic because you get to help someone else, but it's also fulfilling to yourself when when you get to when you get to help someone. So I, I really like, uh, I like speaking to people, you know, whenever, whenever I get to go in front of a crowd, let's say before one of these ultra running races and kind of give them sort of a pep talk that, you know, it, it it lights my fire too, because I, I, you know, I, I, I feel, uh, you know, happy because i am no I know I'm supporting them and in reaching their goals. So, you know, really that's, that's kind of, you know that's that's my goal. That's why I wrote the book. Is you know hopefully people will gain something from it that, that they can um, improve their lives uh, in one way or another. And uh, you know that's kind of that's that's a big piece of what I try to do.
2: Love it, love it. So where can we find out more about what you do? Where can we get your book, uh, your website, and maybe I don't know, maybe come support you in your your next uh, in your next race as well.
1: Yeah, no, uh, seriously if you if you want to come out and support a race, uh, drop me a line and and that's a big piece because when you do these races, you know, you need a support crew, you need people yeah. to drive to the next, uh, you know, the next checkpoint and and have your your, you know, your food and water and stuff like that. And it, it's a pretty supporting supporting these races is awesome. It's a really neat experience and I mean it totally blows your mind and you'll see people doing things that that you can't even believe. Um but anyway, that's the side note. You know the the way to uh, find out about me. Um, the website is travismacy.com. Travis uh Macy. That's spelled uh, Travis M A C Y. And on that site, of you know the the books on there, um, information about my coaching and racing and, and stuff are there. Um, and then the book itself, the Ultra Mindset. Um, you can find out about that on on my site, or it's it's on Amazon, Kindle, Audible. Um, it's also in you know bookstores, Barnes and Noble, and um, you know those kind of places. If you if if you like to just go into a store and get it.
2: Oh, love it! Well, thank you so much for taking the time. This has honestly been uh, a very interesting and eye opening experience for me because I you affirmed a lot of the things I believe, but you put them in such you eloquently them in uh in a way that I, I probably wouldn't be able to put them into words. So. Thank you so much, and um, I can't wait to get this out there and make sure people um, understand more about what you do and get your book in their bookshelves.
1: Well, thanks, Teo. It's it's been a pleasure, and and it's uh, you know, like I said, it's been great to be along with you and just see the the life that that you're pursuing and the things that you've done, and you know, just finishing your MBA. I mean, I'm sure that uh, getting through something like that, there's there's a lot of times where it really takes some resilience and and mental toughness. So uh, I congratulate you on it. Well,
2: thank you, thank you so much, and um, you know, I can't wait to to hear that you broke a world record somewhere. And I'm like, (laughs) I interviewed that guy. (laughs) but um, yeah thank you so much I appreciate you taking the time
1: okay alright man have a good one you too you've just been listening to the As Tall by Nomads podcast for more ways to use your difference to make a difference as well as for show notes head over to www.uidmag.com till next
0: time go out and make an impact
2: in your world